Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com for all of our free columns, free articles. We are a all- free website and also our youtube channel just cleared 3,000 subscribers new show on there this week loaded bases we finally got a baseball show again that's there 90 minutes strong our soccer show is there as well as floors yours which is an extension of this podcast friends of five five reasons to drink talk about sports and much much more also our merchandise we're going to get another special going in july so make sure that you check that out but all of our heat shirts all of our tua shirts and much more. Also, check out all the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. What makes us different from everybody else, we don't just take anybody. We take South Florida businesses. One of them is You Break It, Wheel Fix. Or actually, I should say, I always do this wrong. YouBreakWheelFix.com. Mark's going to kill me. It's a wheel repair and remanufacturing company, and it's in North Miami. It's been there for 15 years, Northeast 146th Street. We've got a code there, Five Reasons Wheels, where you get 10% off on a four-wheel repair or refinishing with the code Five Reasons Wheels. If you want powder coating for custom color changes on wheels, this is the place to go. Tired of your wheels, give your car a new and refreshed look by powder coating them a new color. If your wheels are faded and scratched, you can renew them with our in-house wheel refinishing. And you can also repair damaged wheels that are curbed bent or cracked you've got to check out the twitter account you break wheel fix again that's w-h-e-e-l because they've got not only the the vice colors for the heat on there now but they've got dolphins colors it looks awesome and they're working on something else we're gonna have a big big promotion the first week of july or right after july 4th where we're gonna give away something from you break wheel fix that's awesome it's gonna be a 600 dollars value and you're gonna have to listen to this podcast three yards per carry and five rings canes to get the necessary codes. So again, it's you break wheelfix.com. The phone number is 305-748-0112. And now tonight's episode. Welcome to five on the floor, a Miami heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, AKA Alf954. Brought to you by the five reasons sports network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. I've got Alphonse Sidney. I've got Alex Toledo. We've been going three times a week. We're actually going to be going a little bit more than that coming up soon. And tonight, we've got a new contributor to the Five Reasons Sports Network. If you've checked out fivereasonsports.com, you found her work there. We're really happy to add her. We wanted to add more NBA writers with kind of a vision of the entire league. And Janelle, before we bring you on to talk about the article that's going to post tomorrow, which is about the Miami Heat, give us a little bit of your background. Well, I am a NBA at large writer. I used to write for SB Nation for uh, three years, uh, and I've written for other places. I've currently my work can be seen at, of course, Five Reasons and uh, Complex, and the basketball writers. So I've I've have a 
strong background in journalism and, you know, I, I love sports and, you know, it's, it's just a match and I'm just enjoying it, just enjoying the journey. Where are you based for people who haven't seen your work before? I'm based in Western North Carolina near Asheville. I feel like we got some Carolinas in the network, right? Like how many, got a few now. what is it guys? Leif? Leif, uh, Leif and the Kais are both South Carolina. So we've, we've had, we've had a little North Carolina here. Well, look, we brought you in in part because you, you must be tired of talking about the Hornets. Uh, so we figured I never talked about the Hornets. I don't Yeah, that's fine. We'll get you on the heat here, but there's an article that you, you put out for tomorrow. Again, check out Janelle's work on our website and we've been talking about the heat and we've been kind of breaking things down to, to look at what this is going to, look like for Miami when they enter the bubble and the first games start July 30th. The Heat are going to play eight games. They start off in the four seed. Um, they've got a difficult schedule. If you listen to the podcast I did with Leif and with uh, with Alex, you know, we think the Heat could go maybe five and three if things break right. Maybe secure that four seed. But you know, your article was about the five X factors for the Heat coming into this. What I look at is an extended playoffs. It's, it's, it's kind of a truncated regular season slash playoffs. Give us your number one, and then we're going to get into it, the three of us here, and debate how important these things are for Miami. Yeah, my first X factor is, you know, the acquisition of Andre Iguodala. And like I said in my article, the Heat didn't acquire him for the regular season, per se. They they acquired him for the playoffs. With all that playoff experience he had in Golden State and um, his defenses, you know, will be very valuable come playoff time, and just imagining him with Bam switching on everybody, that's that's going to be pretty solid. And offensively, Andre blends in with what the Heat does um, with, you know, dribble handoffs. You know, he, he have perfected that in six years with the Warriors. When we've talked about Andre, guys, you know, again, I, I think we, we've talked about rust a little bit. And we, we talked about the, the Winslow trade. We kind of relitigated it. And I think what Janelle's getting at is what we discussed, that Andre really wasn't about now. He was about later. Jay Crowder played better mm-hmm. at first. Alex, when you look at what he did, what did you like? And what would concern you about him if he's going to be a core part of the rotation, particularly the closing lineup? Well, I thought the point that Janelle just brought up was a great one because the, the dribble handoff thing is something that, they, he absolutely was, you know, running a lot with the Warriors when they were trying to, you know, a lot of the Warriors' playbook, playbook was trying to get Steph and Clay open as shooters, right? Not necessarily them doing ISO stuff. And I think Iguodala was a huge part of that, kind of like a lot of similar things to what James Johnson did when he was actually good for the Heat. Uh, you know, just some of those instinctual things. And I think that's going to help to get guys like Duncan Robinson open who really rely on the dribble handoffs. And I think it's going to help kind of get Hero going into a rhythm maybe at the beginning of games or, you know, when they play – with each other coming off the bench. I think Iguodala is going to be, like she said, a great veteran presence for the playoffs, somebody with the experience who's just done it so many times. He's numb to the whole thing, right? And I think that's going to be useful for the young core that they have. They have a bunch of guys who are under 25, right? And I think that's going to be, you know, there's for sure going to be some elements there that are helpful. Alf, I think one of the things that he he – have had through the years and something that Spolster, but Riley also used to value is ball movers on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, when we did the draft 
all of us, we talked about Dan Marley. And, and one of the things that Pat used to talk about him with all the time is that he helps the offense go because the ball didn't stay in his hands very long. He just knew what to do with it. Um, I think Shane Battier was another of those guys. Mike that, Miller was that like that. Mike Miller was yeah. like that. Like just veteran guys who kind of understood how to play. And, you know, the ball wasn't going to be in their hands longer than two or three seconds. I feel like that is what Janelle's talking about, some of the dribble handoff stuff, but also just just the knowledge of how to facilitate an offense. Like, he doesn't have to create for him to be effective offensively. And I think a little bit back, I know he's a different style player, to Ray. When, when, when Ray was here, and even though Ray was limited in some ways, Ray just knew how to help make an offense work because he'd been in so many different types of offenses. I don't think we saw that to its fruition, but we saw like moments of it with Andre. Flashes. Flashes, right? And and I think uh, what Janelle brings up is, is one thing that I don't think we've talked about enough, just that playoff experience that he has. And I think, and uh, Alex hit it on the head, that he'd have a lot of young guys that are walking into a playoff experience for the first time. And I think the acquisition of like Iggy and, and Jay kind of, uh, it kind of balances some of that out where maybe what they do on the floor is not going to be as impactful, but everything else that they bring to the table is going to help guys like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, who've never even seen this kind of atmosphere atmosphere before. And the other thing, the other great thing about Iggy is he doesn't need, like you said, he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't ha- need to create his own shot. He can do so many things for the offense and the defense without having to be the focal point of anything. He's just one of those utility glue guys. So they don't have to rely on him too much. But what he could bring, like like Janelle was saying, switching with Bam on the perimeter, some of the stuff that we saw like Justice, Jimmy, and Bam do, hopefully uh, you're going to see Andre round into shape a little bit and do some of that as well. And if he can, and he can give you like two threes a game, right, like on like 40%, not four, maybe like 35 40% shooting, like, I think that's all you really need from him, right? Like, I don't think they need – they're not looking for him to be a big-time scorer. No, I, a, I think the, the other thing, you mentioned experience. So, you're going into – you mentioned all the young guys, and I, I've talked about how that is a benefit to them. But you have four guys in their 30s who I think can help lead them, okay? Whether it's Udonis's style of leadership, Dragic having been, as I've talked about many times, in these kind of, you know, strange circumstances where he's been the guy – uh, and, you know, Jimmy and Andre. So you, you have four voices in that room to lead the young guys. They don't have a lot of mid-career guys, right? <laughs> like they, they, they have, I mean, they're, they're either older Kelly and or Myers. Younger. Myers is one, right, but, but that he's, he's one of the few, and he has a voice too. I think the other thing about Andre, before we move on to number two, is that Andre is part of the executive board of the Players Association. And mm-hmm. I think that matters because – a lot of these players are going to be frustrated with things that are happening during this. And to have somebody who is like the number two to Chris Paul to help resolve issues on your team, I think is actually a good thing. I was thinking about this the other day when Chris Paul and Andre Iguodala were the only two players on the call with Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver and everybody else that, wow, the Heat have someone there. And, and I think that there are little things I think that can be helped if the players, if certain guys on the Heat are uncomfortable with something, Andre can be their conduit, you know, to the players association, to the league. So I think That's it true. will help. My only concern with Andre 
you know, again, is if you look at some of the numbers in Golden State, you know, some of the stuff he used to do defensively that he was so effective at, the numbers started to kind of go the other way a little bit. I don't think he can be relied upon to shut down someone, but I think he'd be part of a group that, that helps with that. So, can I say uh, one more good... thing about Andre before we move on? Mm-hmm. I think something that you just said on right there at the, the end of that point is kind of really important for what I think he could contribute at his best, right? And I don't know that the starting lineup is going to change. or I don't know that he would ever start for this team. But I think for stretches, a lineup with, with him and Jimmy and Bam would just be, you know, pretty great defensively. And it resembles what we were kind of hoping for with Justice there, except in that case, I think something that would be really interesting for the Heat kind of gives them a different card is Jimmy being the guard defender that they've been searching for and then moving Iguodala to that wing defender position where he guard guys that maybe aren't as quick on their feet as guards. Jimmy hand- so you're saying Jimmy handling the point of attack more right. yes. than, yes. you know, than a Kendrick Nunn or a Goran Dragic, which we were talking about with Nikias the other day, mm-hmm. where they, uh, those guys have struggled in that, you know, so that, that, that's interesting because a lot of times when we talk about other small fours in the league, uh, the Tatums, um, you know, Small forwards probably one of the best positions in the league right now. Yep. We always assume Jimmy's going to have to take that guy. Mm-hmm. With with Andre and Jay, you kind of you They're bigger able, than him too. Yeah, you're able to put Jimmy on a you know on a on a guard where he's you know he's bigger, he's stronger, he's longer, and then he doesn't have to guard the the LeBrons and the Tatum's and these guys every uh, night in and night out. So. I think that's an excellent point. I didn't even really think about that. Well, and, one, and, and, one more thing that I just thought of while you were actually saying that was that the Bucks kind of rely on a similar defensive scheme mm-hmm. that the Heat do where they have like Brooke Lopez drop back uh, as a big. And yes, Myers Leonard isn't Brooke Lopez defensively, but something that they do to kind of help out with that with the, you know, pull up threes for guys who go around the picks like a Kemba Walker or Kyle Lowry is to have the guard kind of contest the jumper from behind whenever they do pull up. And I think Jimmy is just the perfect type of guy to do that just because of how big he is. And he's usually going to be bigger than the point guard. And I think that's just going to be, you know, that would actually make it easier. I think on the defensive, the problem is that he already has so much of a burden on offense that it would be hard for him to do this, I think consistently, but I think that's something they could definitely go to when it gets tough. But Alex, it's something that they did with LeBron. I mean, I, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the Eastern conference and I'm saying, okay, Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, right. Malcolm Brogdon, um, you could even Oladipo. put Oladipo in there when he when he's healthy, but well, but but that's what I'm saying. Can't guarantee, these are, it, yeah. These are all smaller guards that Jimmy can handle for a stretch, in the same way that LeBron used to handle Rose or or handle any of the smaller guards he went against, because you do have additional perimeter defenders. I I, I think I think it's, it's look, it's going to have to be creative by Spolster because I don't think Jimmy can do that for long stretches, and I don't think Andre can lock up a wing for long stretches anymore. I think it's more. Mm-hmm. Can we get seven or eight minutes out of him against this guy? Can we get seven or eight minutes of Jimmy doing this? It would be uh, really interesting for a closing lineup, right? I, yeah, well, that's it, what that's it's what like I'm the two three minutes of justice, uh, Jimmy and Bam that we saw against right. Toronto. <laughs> right. that, that was insane, right? right. That, but that's all you want. You want that three minute stretch where you turn a four point lead into an eleven point lead with a, a, you know with a minute and a half left, and now the game's out of you know it's 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 out of reach. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're looking for with that lineup. Yeah, and you're just looking for short stretches. All right, Janelle, let's let you back in here because this is what tends to happen on this podcast as we start careening off in other directions. What is number two? Number two is the use of the dribble handoff. And I find that fascinating because, you know, that being a, a big part of the offense, 
the heat leads the NBA in dribble handoff efficiency and frequency. And I just like how they set it up and they like to attack early in a possession and in transition. And usually they would look for someone like Duncan Robinson for open three or whoever that's a high percentage shooter. And another aspect that I found fascinating about what the heat does is, um, how to use BAM in those situations. Like when he grabs a rebound and he throws out the pass or, or even if Jimmy Butler, for instance, grab a rebound and throws it to BAM, he's like a point center and BAM would catch it and then go right into the dribble handoff with a pass in the back screen. And, you know, defenses have to pick their poison. Either give up a three or BAM could go slam it. And I just find that, fascinating and interesting to watch once uh, the heat gets into the playoffs. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on that more because you mentioned bam and it's funny, you know, we haven't talked at all guys. I mean, I don't want to go too off on a tangent. I feel like we've done like 30 podcasts and not mentioned Kelly Olenek's name. Um, am I, am I crazy? Because like we talked dribble handoff, like that's all it was for like a two year span. Right. Was, and, yep. And also, uh, funny thing about Kelly, he was, and because we're talking about dribble handoffs, he was amazing at it. Um, and the Kelly keeper, it's and Bam has actually taken the Kelly keeper. I don't, yep. we, we've seen a lot of it. I wish he would do it more. But he's stolen the Kelly keeper, and, I mean, mm-hmm. he's better at it because <laughs> he's uh, more athletic. One of the things but, he's better at than Myers. Um, yeah, uh, Kelly, actually, yeah. And also, Kelly was leading the league in three-point percentage after the uh, All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't talk – I mean, he was like – Had a higher true shooting than Duncan Robinson, who was shooting like 50% on 10 attempts a game from three. Just yeah, makes he no was sense. A, he was shooting 68% from three, I think, uh, after the All-Star break. So hey, Am I wrong, DeWalf? Is this the first time we've mentioned him? We never month? talk about Kel- – because he was hurt for so long and then he was bad for so long. And and, and we all we all thought – we we all assumed – well, we didn't assume. We thought maybe it could have been the injury that was, you know, affecting his play, but – it's going to be interesting, right? Because with Myers coming back and with Bam, like, where's is Kelly going to get a lot of minutes? And if he is, I mean, that the dribble handoff is going to be. I mean, he's amazing at it, and he he can do some damage. But you know, I, we're going to have to see. It's going to be hard for them to find time for all these guys. Well, I, see, but I don't think so because I again, I I don't think you're going to want to play guys heavy minutes in the last eight games of the regular season. And I think that Eric's going to use his depth in the playoffs. It's going to look different. I, I, I don't think this is going to be the typical Riley trust, you know, seven thing or whatever once you get to the postseason. It's I, a I deep team. Gonna... They've got 11 rotation guys. Right, they do. Creative, they, right? They, they do. And look, Silva tailed off. But I, I, we haven't talked about Kelly. But getting back to Janelle's point, Duncan Robinson was number one. Is, is this right? Um, I, I believe, Alex, Dunk, per, yeah. I saw this set on Twitter. was number one in the league on, on shooting off dribble handoffs. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was by far. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, and it so, wasn't close either. Like, points per possession on dribble handoffs, he was like, like 1.48, and the next guy was like 1.17, something like that. It's insane. It's, yeah. It's insane, but you're right. But, I mean, that is the point. They now have with Bam and Kelly, they got two guys to run this stuff. Um, I, I think we've – I keep coming back to the Kelly thing on this because I feel like we haven't talked about it. And we keep talking about how, well, Myers is going to be healthy. Uh, well, Tyler was going to get totally healthy. Well, Andre was going to get himself back in playing shape. But, and Jimmy was going to get his legs back. 
we have not talked about the fact that if you talk to people around the heat, they say Kelly was not healthy the whole season. Mm-hmm. That he never, he didn't really come back the right way from what happened when he was playing for the Canadian team. It took him a while to get acclimated. He never really found his role with his team. He was starting to find it. And then we had the break. And yep. this may be like a weapon we have not discussed because if you have a big who can handle the way he handles and he's not a good rebounder, I mean, we, we're past that, but can also shoot, you know, in the high thirties from three, it gives you a totally different dimension and, and you know, the kind of mobile player that they're going to need, I, I think against uh, some of the bigs that they're going to see in the East and, and, and give, and, and let's not forget Bam and Kelly, you know, we're a couple of years removed from them being the best two band pair on the team um, when they played yep. together. So it's interesting. I, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if we see even more dribble handoff stuff when we get down there, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we see more Kelly Olenek. All right, before we get to the break, what is number three, Janelle? Number three is Duncan Robinson. You know, um, I think before the league shut down, he was like, he was shooting 44% from three and he was fourth in the league in three point percentage. And, you know, most of his shots are from behind the arc, of course, and they've been assisted. You know, he's very limited in what he can do, but what what he does well is, of course, shoot the ball, and the Heat will have to find different ways to, to get him open. I I think we if we look at Duncan, uh, we've talked about him staying on the floor. Jamie Levy wrote a piece for our site about the idea of him staying out of foul trouble. I know the Heat were incredibly frustrated by the way that he got called this year. Um, that's going to matter. But I do think Duncan started to show signs of being able to do other things. Um, his finishing got much better, right, Alex? Like, I mean, yeah. didn't do a lot of it, but he, it got much better. Um, and, and I think, it, you know, we talk about the assisted stuff. I'm it's not saying player. he's never going to be a great creator, but I thought there was a little bit more there than than – we believed before the season started. Yeah. I mean, I think Duncan Robinson has just kind of cemented himself as, as far as this season, he, he was kind of the third best or at least most important player all season long. I think, you know, just like we were talking about the dribble handoff thing, that has to be their most used action. Right. I mean, I haven't looked into it myself, but I, I think just watching them all season, they go to that all the time, the bam to Duncan Robinson dribble handoff. They, they'll start, you know, the first possession of the game with that move. And I think that's something they do. You know, it's one of the biggest reasons their offense was as good as it was because, you know, like Janelle mentioned before, just that 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 threat of having to choose between, you know, a Duncan three or, or bam, you know, driving down the middle. <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it wreaks havoc on the league. And I think it really wouldn't work the same without Duncan. Even with Tyler Hero, I think Duncan is just that lethal of a shooter. And it's just so – he has mastered – the art of coming off of the uh, of that little dribble handoff screen and catching it and turning and shooting, he has absolutely mastered it. And the guy is just a flamethrower. Like I, like I mentioned before, he was shooting fifty one percent, you know, on I, I want to say uh, ten three point attempts a game for the second half of the season or something like that. And it's just the guy is a flamethrower, and he's absolutely going to be he, he's going to need to be huge for them to really advance and perform above expectations. Uh, by the way, Ethan, he was like 85% within three feet of the rim. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I, I remember, like, I I'm, I asked Alex, we were at a game. I said, have you seen Duncan Robinson miss a layup? <laughs> and we're like, no. And we, I, I, Christian, I, I don't know, Christian looked it up or you looked it up, Alex. He's like 85% around the rim. He, 
Uh, but he doesn't get there that often. But when he gets there, he's he's solid. And the thing, and Janelle's right because I feel like the Heat offense goes as Duncan Robinson goes. Mm-hmm. Like he's their most important offensive player, and I don't I don't I don't say that lightly or hyperbolically. He is their most important offensive player. If he's having one of those eight for 13 nights or, you know, I mean, that that offense is so hard to deal with because it's just the spacing. And if you have him and Tyler out there or him and Myers, like what do you, you know, it's the, the pick your poison of the dribble handoff and everything else they do. It, it's so much more potent if he's having one of those nights. And now as he's gotten to the point that even if he's not having one of those nights, his gravity yeah. I mean, yeah. you that can't is. leave him alone. He, the, the Heat need him for the offense to run. So, uh, like, it's just it, – it scares me a little bit <laughs> that a second-year player who never even got on the floor last year uh, is going to be such an important part of what the Heat do in the playoffs. But, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's true. I mean, I think he's been the biggest – Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Prize of the season, and he's, he's going to have to be good to great for the heat to make a deep playoff run. But I don't look at him as the type of guy that's going to get flustered. I don't, I just personality wise, he's not, I don't know. Like he's not an emotional, I know we've seen some memes and you know, what do we call them? GIFs, memes, whatever uh, of him, but, <laughs> but he's, but he's, that was the oldest thing you've ever said. I'm dating myself. <laughs> no, it's not the oldest thing I've ever said. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> stop it. But it's, it's not, I, I don't know. He just strikes me as he's just kind of there, like personality. He's cool as shit, Ethan. He's cool as shit. Like, he what, is. What, well, he, he's <laughs> a lot think. cooler than we thought he was. I think. I, I maybe that's it. I I, I don't know. He, yeah. He just hundred percent. Stuff, stuff doesn't seem to really affect him. And you know, when I asked him, and when I did that big piece on Jimmy, and and how you know, I talked to every player on the team about how they, uh, it, you know, their first interactions with Jimmy, and his one of his first interactions was open gym. And, you know, he shot one. Jimmy went under the screen and he shot one in Jimmy's face as he tried to get back over the screen. And Duncan said, don't do that again. He went a um, terrible decision by Jimmy. It was a terrible decision by Jimmy, <laughs> right? I mean, so but he learned. He learned. You, you, you were afraid of the drive. Like I don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it, but to me, the fact that Dunk, like, okay, I think when we look at Tyler Hero's personality, you're like, okay, I, I get that. Like Tyler would go at Jimmy Butler. Like that's that's who Tyler is. But that's not what you would think of with Duncan, and yet that's so, it, this whole thing has been so nonchalant for him. It's just like, oh, whatever. I hate made eight threes, and and my only question <laughs> with my only question with him is, it, you know, teams have now had. I mean, he was a surprise to other teams coming into the season. They had some time to adjust on the fly. Now they've had months, and he gets he's getting better. He's getting better, but I wonder now when he comes back after all of this time if teams scout him differently. And like you said, Alf, that may not be a bad thing because if there's even more gravity towards him, there's even more openings for everybody else on the roster. Well, and and what, what Alex was saying, he's a smart player. Like he doesn't take forced or, or, or bad shots. So if the, de- the right if the, pass. 
yeah, he's going to make the right pass. So that's why he's especially, you know, dangerous because he's not going to be the guy who's going to, you know, he's not going to take a, a, a three with, you know, a hand in his face and two guys on him. He's going to, he's going to make the right play. He's going to give it back to Bam or Jimmy, whatever, whatever he has to do. He's so, got No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, he's gotten so good at like figuring out when he's going to shoot. Like he, like, my favorite thing watching Duncan is watching Duncan Robinson like kind of go around the three-point line faking and acting like he's going to shoot and just kind of getting the defense going all over the place because he's just going to like he'll catch it and it'll look like he's about to shoot it he'll fake you know uh, someone else will have the ball he'll relocate and then shoot from there and he just does it all game long and it reminds that me pump of Rip fake, Hamilton mm-hmm. that pump fake uh, uh send it back then a little sidestep to like a wide open spot is my favorite thing he does. He's masterful. He's so good at it. Like, he times it perfectly. It's like and it's, a master it's so, it's so subtle. Player. It's so subtle what he does. And it's just like, how is he that wide open from a little sidestep? But it's just, know, like, but that's, I, I think, I think we're all on the same page. He's, he's a smart player. So we, we're hoping that, he, you know, he won't get caught up in the moment and get flustered. And I think I, he's I, right. I don't, I don't think he will. But before I let you guys go on for 30 more minutes about Duncan, let, let's be clear. <laughs> did, did any of us – I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to our preseason shows. No, we didn't. Real quick, no. did any of us think he'd be in the rotation? No. Wait, wait, wait. No, after Summer League, I remember we – Ethan, you and I spoke about Summer League, and we said Kendrick Dunn looked great, Tyler Hero looked like an NBA player, but the best player on the floor for them was Duncan Robinson. Yeah, no, he was. He, he was, didn't look – he looked like he didn't belong in summer league. But because typically guys do their second time there, but I, I, I don't think any of us expected this. All right, we, we've, got two more, we've got two more to get to with Janelle. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Very appropriate for today's times. you got to check out MACA. It's M-A-C-A, which is for Making America Clean Again. No, it's not that other thing, okay? I know everybody gets all upset about this. It's for – it's Making America Clean clean again which is a division of greenview construction you got to reach out to our guy chris because during covid after covid if there is ever and after covid you're going to want to know that the place that you enter is clean and sanitized and not only that but it's clean and sanitized for everybody else who enters so if you have a business or you have a residence make sure you go through their their cleaning process which again clean and sanitize and disinfect and sterilize. They can do it short-term or long-term, and you will get that certificate to put up in your place of business or in your residence so that everybody there knows this place is safe. We can walk in. Uh, maybe we've got to practice some social distancing. But again, we're not going to be sitting in a place that is dirty, that we're going to get sick, or anything like that. They can take care of everything for you. Again, it's macainc.net, M-A-C-A, inc.net. They've been trained with and hold certificates for bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. So they can take care just about everything. It's important when you're considering you or your loved one's safety and the safety of employees and clients. Again, it's M-A-C-A-I-N-C dot net. All right, let's get to number two. Well, I, I don't know if this is number four or number two. We're, we're going through five of them. Janelle, what you got? Uh, we got BAM. You know, it's, it's funny. You know, BAM is one of the Heat's main guys, but he could also be an X-Factor as well. You know, of course, obviously, it's his first full season as a starter, and he has improved by leaps and bounds. And he's going to be a factor because of the offense that they're running and him being a point center and all and the dribble handoffs. Like we've mentioned, he actually ranks third in screen assist at 5.2 per a game. You know, you can't say enough about his uh, – 
his passing skills. And the only player that you could compare him to in the league as far as that goes is Jokic. And if you, if, but if you look at that, first thing, explain to people what the, because this stat comes up a lot now, but I, again, it's one of those stats that I don't know if the, the sort of the casual basketball fan, what is a screen assist? Uh, I think the screen assist is basically just, uh, so, you know, somebody sets a screen and somebody, and a score comes off of that screen, basically. So yeah. I think BAM has got to be up there for sure. Yes, yeah, score comes out of the screen. The the one thing that's missing, we've talked about a little bit. You mentioned your article for tomorrow is is making that jump shot, and I we, we I know we've we've hammered this uh, to use Myers Leonard term to death on the podcast. Uh, I, what I'm trying to f- figure out is if uh, let's let's take this a step further. If Bam starts shooting and making that 15 foot jumper, do do you think that Eric starts running it? For him, Alex. Like, I mean, in other words, I mean, do you think we'll get to a point in this season where Eric views that as the ideal way to finish a possession? With Bam taking the jumper? I mean, I, I don't think Spo would be against it. I think he – I don't know if he would be running that this season. It just doesn't seem likely at all. It, it feels like Bam still isn't very uh, confident in that shot unless it's it's come in rhythm and it's come, like, you know, after the actions have already happened and – Maybe the offense didn't get exactly what it wanted. Just kind of get the best shot available. I think that's when Bam is going to feel comfortable taking it. And it would be cool if he came out of this more confident in it. You know, where you already know how I feel about it. I'm I'm all in on Bam doing that and just kind of taking the next step up on the Kevin Garnett tears. <laughs> just turn turning more and more into a center Kevin Garnett. But uh, yeah, I just think everything he that's one of the the screeners is one of the most important things for the Heat's offense and for the reason it runs the way it does. I, I, the reason they get so many clean open looks, I, I think, has a lot to do with what Bam does for the team as a point center. And just makes, not to, you know, dump all over Hassan, but it just really is such a difference from what Hassan did. It's okay. Where it was just kind of muck it. Yeah, we're allowed to dump on Hassan. You're allowed now. to dump on Hassan. Ah, <laughs> it, just, it just feels kind of low now because it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Portland, you know, like eight games under 500. And we, we, we were so clearly right about it. It just isn't even, it's not, it's not as fun anymore. Well, yeah, we were so clearly right. We were so clearly right about it. But Alf, okay, let, let's before we close the book on Bam here, like we've all sort of moved the goalposts on Bam because he's accelerated so quickly. Uh, does I mean, is there any way we come out of this season saying this is the best big in the East? No, I mean, I mean, I mean that he would have to make a really deep run, and he'd have to have some amazing numbers. I think uh, Bam's Bam's like a year or two away from that conversation. Uh, Cause you're always going to have, you're going to have Embiid. Uh, it, it depends on what you call Giannis. Yep. Um, so the, the, he's a couple years away. And then you have Cat. Um, no, wait, Kat, that's what the Western Conference. Yeah, that's um, West. There's not a lot in the East, man. Like, I, I mean, there, there, are we calling Siakam a big, I guess? I mean, well, now I, that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe you have a point. I mean, <laughs> I think he's a year or two away. Um, and like you were saying with the jump shots, um, I think he's a year or two away from Spo trusting that. Um, but I, I, he's on his way there. And like I was saying, well, how Duncan is the most important uh, player for their offense. Bam is a, the Duncan of the defense, basically. Everything runs on what he does. Yeah. So um, he's going to have to have a big, uh, a, a big stretch for them to be to, to go deep in the playoffs. I don't think he has to do as much offensively. I think every time, I mean, when he if he scores over twenty, I just think it's like a, just a huge bonus. 
But I think he could just average – he could stay around 16, 15 points a game, get his 10, 11 rebounds. But it's what he does that's not going to show up in the box score, like the screen assists, um, that are going to be the most impactful things he does. Let's get to your last one, actually. Janelle, I counted. Unless I counted wrong, I think this is the last one. We've covered – Yeah, this is the last one. It's five, and it's uh, tragic. Okay. You know, he he came off of, you know, his surgery with his right knee, and he was productive. And in the playoffs, I'm believing that he will be a solid scoring option off the bench. And that's important in the playoffs as far, especially when the rotations are shortened and you need that kind of offensive presence to either come from behind and overtake the opposition or to maintain a lead. And I'm wondering how would the pressure, how would he hold up against the pressure and the stress of playing in the bubble, especially, you know, coming off of a hiatus. And when you're coming off a hiatus like that, you're susceptible for injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he has been. I mean, we, that's the thing we got to acknowledge with Goran. He has not been particularly healthy the last three years. Uh, and But with that being said, I maybe I've stepped out too far on him, guys, by saying that I wouldn't be surprised if – if Eric turns the keys over to him to a certain degree because he's going to trust him. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like Goran is made for this kind of situation. Like it's, it's just, I watched some of that European tournament, man. And it was like, I was watching a different player than, than we've seen with the heat at times. It was like, it, it, it was, he was given that team. And, you know, at times Goran has struggled in the playoffs with Miami um, if you remember, he was not great during the 15-16 run. I mean, he had some moments, but but struggled he a lot. Kind of of toughness. He left some teeth on the floor, but I, yeah. <laughs> right. But I, I I don't know. I just feel like, I, I, except for the thing Janelle's mentioning, which is a real thing. Like I could see Goran pulling a hamstring in the first week, you know, and missing three weeks, and all of a sudden you're screwed. But I just have a feeling with him that if he's healthy. With Jimmy's trust in him, with Eric's trust in him, with him being familiar with these kind of odd formats, he knows how to get himself ready. I feel like he's going to be really good. I think when you talk about 15-16, I think there was a lot of uh, – there was some growing pains with him and Dwayne at the time. Yes. I think that had a, that had a lot to do with it. I think as long as his role is cle- clearly defined, which it has been for most of the season, guy coming off the bench – offensive impact um hopefully the defense picks up or they they find a way to scheme around him where it's not as it's not as damaging to the defense when he's out there but I think you're right that you know there's there's going to be times where this offense gets into lulls and Goron's one of the guys who on his own can just start you know just spark the offense so I think you're right he's going to be he's going to be hugely important I'm I'm a little bit more worried about how well he's going to do uh, compared to you. I think you 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 have more confidence in him than I do. But I think um, Spo has the kind of confidence in him that you have. So I think we're going to see him. He's going to get the opportunity to do what you're talking about. Now, will he be able to actually, uh, you know, complete it? I, I don't know. But he's definitely going to get the opportunity. could totally see him closing some games, by the way. Like yeah. Some games where he's hot. Yes. Yes. Like I was watching that that Sixers game. Uh, they were showing the highlights, uh, the one with the Tyler Hero three. Like Gorn was out there for the last defensive possession. 
<laughs> well, sometimes Eric leaves him out there too long. I, That's they, questionable. Yeah. There, there was this thing that was happening in the regular season, which was a real blind spot in my view for Spolstra this year, where he kept putting him in with like five minutes left in the third quarter and then leaving him out there forever. And you, he would go through these two or three minute stretches where he really struggled. He had some turnover runs, if you remember. Yep. Uh, defensively, he was getting beaten more than usual. I, I feel like Eric needs to do a better job. I do think it's what you set off. He has this tremendous confidence in Goran, and it's like, okay, Goran's out there. I'm fine. And sometimes he'll, he'll leave him there when I think Goran could use three minutes here <laughs> to I come mean, back. Think- I think we all agreed before the season, the sweet spot was like 15, 18 minutes. And then, you yeah, know, I, I thought 20 to 24, but yeah, it started to go past that. Like, but I wanted, but I was saying 15, 18, and then bump him up to 20 to 24 mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah. And he's, but now you're looking at a guy who's super rested. So, I mean, it might, you know, he might be able to, you know, pull off some magic. I, I, I don't, I'm not as a, like I said, I'm not as confident as you are, but listen, it wouldn't shock me if Goran had a couple 20-point games in, in the playoffs. It really wouldn't. Janelle, let me go back to you here before we close. All right, so you've mentioned some of the X factors here. I think these are all things we agree are important. I think there are some other ones. You know, Jamie in her article touched on Jimmy's shooting, which I think is a big one. Um, but let's just look at it this way. Since we've discussed Goran, we've discussed Duncan, um, Bam and Jimmy are going to be on the court at the end of games. All right? Let's all do this. Who are the three that are going to be out there with them most often? Because we talked about Andre, too. Who, who are the th- – I mean, I know there's going to be some in-and-out substitutions, foul trouble, but who are going to be the two, the, the three that are going to be out there with Jimmy and Bam most often? I will go – I'll let Janelle close on this. We'll go to Alex first. And that's a good question. I like that. I like that as a question to end this. I think my, my – as in to go along with Jimmy and Bam, my best guess would be Duncan for sure. And then from there, it can, I really got three other names in mind, but I'm going to go Andre. I think they're going to really try to, you know, get a payoff for that trade. And I think it just really makes a lot of sense to rely on him now in the playoffs just with all that time he had off. I'm sure he'll be fresh to really take on a load there and, to, and help Jimmy and Bam not be out there for too long, doing all the work on defense. And then after that, I, I, I'm, it comes down to Goron and Hero. I'm going to say Goron just because of what you said. I think Spo definitely trusts Goron. I think they absolutely want to do right by him, so he will get playing time. At the end of the day, that bench is just really important to what they do, and him and Hero coming off the bench, that, that duo, I think is really important, and they're always that bench is always out playing other teams' benches. And so I think they're both kind of going to be similar, you know, playing similar roles, playing together a lot. Alf? I think you're going to – I think I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement. I think Duncan is going to be – unless he's in foul trouble, which <laughs> we've all seen is a likely scenario – I think you're going to have those three guys. And then I think it's going to be – you're going to look at Iggy and Dre and you're going to say, which who's – I'm Iggy and Dre. Iggy and, uh, Iggy and Jay. And you're going to say, okay, who's playing better tonight? And I think that's, that's going to be the choice. And then you can look at Goron and Hero and you're going to say, who's playing better tonight? So I think it's just – it's going to come down to who's having the better game. Um, but I – like Ethan says, Spo trusts Goron so much. It's hard for me to see a scenario in a tight game where he has Goran on the bench, unless Goran's just having, I mean, just a terrible night. I, I just, I don't see it happening. 
I'm going to go to Janelle next, but I'm going to throw mine in here too. I, I'm with you on Iguodala or Crowder, but I think after this break and the time to get to know Andre and Andre getting in shape, it's going to be Andre. I, I believe more often than it's going to be Jay. I do think it's going to be Duncan. The Goran hero choice is interesting because don't forget, Tyler Hero played more fourth quarter minutes than anybody on the team when he was healthy this year. Um, so I, I lean Goran, but then I think back to how much – Tyler played in those situations. And the two guys we haven't talked about who I think could get spot minutes down the stretch are DJJ and Kendrick Nunn. Um, I, I wouldn't rule it out for either of them. I don't think Myers or Kelly gets a ton of those minutes. DJJ closed go, a lot of games this year. Who did? DJJ. He did. Um, he closed yep. a lot of games at the four. Um, yep. And, and you know, it, it, the thing with him is if you trust him – you know, to make an open shot or you're playing four on five, but he did close a lot of games. The, I, this is why I like this team so much for this format, because I just don't think there are going to be that many teams who go to Orlando who there's going to be two or three guys on every team who are just not playable, who were playable before. And now you've got all of these guys on the heat. There's just, even if you eliminate two or three, you still have enough. Some of these other yep. teams you don't. Janelle, I'll let you close. Give me your three. Uh, Andre, of course. I would say Andre, because of his vast playoff experience and how he fits seamlessly into what the Heat does offensively and defensively, that's a given. Yep. And for, and I'll say Goron for sure. And well, when it comes to the playoffs, you want someone with experience. You want someone you can trust. And I believe Spo will will trust Goron versus uh, somebody like Tyler. But at the same time, I, I actually think that, you know, Tyler could get some minutes too. They, they make it split minutes between him and Goron. Mm -hmm. And I say that because Tyler is young, Kendrick is young, and at some point you have to throw him in. You know, how can you learn and how can you grow as a player without getting that run, getting that experience? So that's... That's true, especially yeah. if you're investing in them. Right. Especially in the long run. So I would say that Goron and Tyler could actually split minutes. Right? I, think it's, I think it's possible, and I, I feel like we're all doing it again. I, I, I don't know. I just have a <laughs> sneaky feeling about Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to say that, that we were uh, kind of underrating Hero again because he was no, so no, good no, for no, them no. in the clutch. I mean, like I said, Tyler played all of those minutes, yeah. and Kendrick didn't play a ton of minutes down the stretch. But look back at some of the big games they won early in the season, and Kendrick was on the floor in the last six. I, I feel like he kind of played himself off the floor, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, yes, I would lean the same way Janelle's leaning. I think Andre's going to be there provided that his body holds up. I think Duncan's going to be there provided that he's not in foul trouble. We know the two guys, and then the lean is Goron over Tyler. But again, I come back to it. They have a ton of options. They've got they've they've basically got two playable teams. Um, most of these teams, Philly doesn't have that. Uh, you know, Toronto might, Toronto might, but Philly doesn't. Toronto have definitely that. has. Which, who does? Toronto has it for sure. Yeah, Toronto has it. Toronto has it. Milwaukee don't. I. I I, I kind of like Milwaukee's depth. I'm not going to lie to you. I, they're not as good. I don't think they're as deep as Toronto, but I think they're a little bit deeper than we give them. I don't know. I'm just a huge. I, I really like this Bucks team. <laughs> I like them too, but they're old. And I, I just wonder how, 
how they, they, they rely on DiVincenzo a lot, and that guy has been awesome. No, he's been year. really good. I liked him in college too. He's been he's been good. But I, I like I like I said like we all said in the last pod with Leif, I feel like the circumstances have. I wish I wish we would flatten the curve of COVID. I feel like we've flattened the curve of the NBA's Eastern Conference, where the difference between one and six is not as great as it was before we went in. I, I just. I don't see how it's an Milwaukee, interesting hypothesis right there. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how Milwaukee recaptures that momentum that they had, where they were so much better than everybody else. I think at this point, I think you throw Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Philadelphia, and Miami in a hat. I really do. I, I don't. I think there are advantages that all the teams have, but I think Milwaukee's age on their bench could be a potential disadvantage. I think the pressure on Chris Middleton to to sort of lift the team to keep Giannis in Milwaukee could be problematic. They don't have the home court that they were supposed to have throughout the entire playoffs. That's sure. big. That's, that's big. big. I, I, nobody I, does. Right. Yeah. And that's the nobody thing. Nobody does. So it's it's an even playing field. Yep. Period. Exactly. And that's why I when I when you have an even playing field and you have an elite organization, elite coach, uh, you know, depth. A mix of youth and experience. It's it's why Miami's interesting to me. I, I think I think they're more interesting now. I'm gonna say it. They are more interesting now than I thought they were if the season had played out as it was supposed to play out. I didn't like the way they were trending. But I think this break helps them. I think it helps them a lot. And and yeah. I, I I think this format helps them. And I think having Jimmy kicking their asses, you know, in the bubble helps them. Uh, <laughs> I think it all works out. All right, follow Janelle again. J- Janelle twelve. Make sure the two ends, the two L's. Check out her work on Five Reasons Sports Complex and everywhere else. Janelle, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.